super scary. They have a much scarier one now that instead of a neck and head has just a robot arm sticking out of his shoulders with super strength, like pincher at the end. It's creepy. Hello and welcome to Terrifying Robot Dog. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Kelly Shaper. And we're here to talk about how technology is changing the way we interact with the world. This week, it's Gadget Week. But there aren't really any good gadgets out, so we're going to talk about that fact and what we found instead. Please stay tuned. Terrifying Robot Dog is next. We are going to talk about a lack of gadgets. Yeah, it was a, a, a disappointing collection of gadgets to pick through this week. I'm really disappointed with the gadget makers out there right now. Yeah, nothing... Like, there's there's... There's lots of VR stuff, which is cool. Um, lots of Raspberry Pi and Arduino and Internet of Things type stuff, which is interesting and cool. And I've been messing around with it, and it's been fun. But I don't know. It just doesn't seem like there's a lot of... Nothing really captured my imagination. Mm. I feel like we're in a calm before the storm. Because, like... When did the the iPhone was announced in 2007? I think it came out that year mm-hmm. or early in 2008. And that's, you know, we're going on a decade now. It's just about 10 years. And if you look at, uh, you know, Mobile World, World Congress just happened in Barcelona. And that's like a big, that's the biggest show in the world for people who are going to release amazing new flagship phones. And I was hoping that there would be some, some, jaw-dropping cool new feature or something uh and really it was it was a whole bunch of companies that were announcing jaw-droppingly gorgeous powerful phones that would easily compete with the iphone 6 you know but for less than half the cost right uh show me's new phone their chinese manufacturer is like it's like 250 bucks uh, 280 bucks American, maybe 350 bucks for the really fancy one with the ceramic back. It's like a phone with a ceramic back. It's gorgeous. A uh, big, beautiful screen, like the whole thing, but it's just another phone. You know, it's like, yeah. you know, if you've seen an iPhone, it's like, okay, great. Now there's a cheap one from China and, you know, an LG has got a really one that everybody's drooling over. And it, but, but now it's just like, we're in this phase where, the big prime mover in technology, which has been mobile phones for pretty much 10 years, has tapered off in terms of it's, it's just matured. Like the form factor is done. It's getting more powerful. It's getting cheaper to produce, but it's not really, you know, processors are faster, but nothing, nothing really innovative is happening. Yeah, there, there were, it, it, I agree. There, there are a couple things, you know, the fingerprint sensor, that's a big deal, but it's like, okay, now I don't have to type my my you know key code or my swipe pattern uh so that's really cool uh, but it's not like revolutionary or anything um in the the new camera sensors there was a thermal one from cat which is like i think the caterpillar like the logo is the same as like caterpillar trucks they have some sort of yeah it's 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 a fairly uh let's if i'm being kind it's a very industrial looking phone it looks like you could drop it into a gravel pit and it wouldn't be damaged too heavily. I guess in that sense, uh, a thermal 
camera on a phone like that would make sense. And and even being from CAT kind of makes sense to me because I can see like uses for that in construction type work. Yes, exactly. Where it's it's sort of like uh, use case specific, highly optimized for a particular situation type of device that's mm-hmm. using, you know, more or less uh, all the existing features that you'd expect on a phone. I didn't notice if it, it must be Android. It, well, it doesn't. It's it's definitely not iOS, but it uh, it's probably right. Android or some flavor of Android, and it's kind of ugly, but you know. It's from a company who makes tractors, so what do you want? Right. (laughs) And that's, I think, what happens when a market matures, where you can pretty much get, you know, these crazy, I mean, it's, when you consider what you're getting, it's pretty crazy to be able to pay 250 bucks and get this, like, compact touchscreen device that's connected to the, you know, connected to five different networks, like GPS, Bluetooth, NFC, Wi-Fi, cellular, you know, it's, it's crazy. Like yeah, you're getting more computing power in your pocket than we've used to fly to the moon. Oh yeah, I mean it's it's crazy. So, but but it's matured, and so we're going to get these sort of special case. You know, this is the this is the phone. You know, if you whatever, if you drive a tractor, this is the phone you want. Um. So, so okay. So that's matured. I don't. The one thing that I could see that would be fairly uh, game changing is pushing it, but it would it would create. Uh, a lot of adoption for 3D printing technology that we talked about last time, which is that if the cameras mm-hmm. were better at creating a mesh out of a photo, so if like you could like take a yeah. picture of your kitchen and it actually created a 3D render of it instead of just a flat 2D, you know, pixel matrix. Yeah, 3D scanning. Yeah, that would be that would be. I, I feel like that's in the realm of possibility, and it would be fairly game changing for people who are into that. Uh, whether they're going to print it out or whether they're going to present it to people as like a 360 degree or spherical video. But so as we were looking around, there was a couple of, I, I think there's, I think this sort of the mobile thing is basically tailed off. We're not going to get anything truly shocking in that area, but coming up underneath it are like a bunch of different technologies that seem to be gaining traction in the lab and mm-hmm. in demos and, it's, you know, it's stuff that we've talked about, we talk about fairly regularly, but the two that keep cropping up are virtual reality and robots. Yeah. And VR is just going to be, you're not going to be able to swing a dead cat without hitting a VR goggle. It's already all over Kickstarter and Indiegogo both. Yeah, well, that was, and and Mobile World Congress, there were uh, announcements from LG, PlayStation, Basically, every consumer electronics company has some sort of yeah. VR headset. And I, th- I, I I think it dawned on me today why Palmer Lucky, who is the person behind the Oculus Rift, which is, I think is fair to say is the sort of Mercedes option in the space. He's mm-hmm. been really downplaying the the adopt, you know, like two that I think he said, I think the direct quote is 2016 is not going to be the year of VR. And I think he's saying that. Yeah, because I'm, I'm not sure I agree. Yeah, I, I think he's. it's not going to be the year of VR for him. <laughs> it's going to be for everyone right. else. <laughs> because they are, you know, in fairness, they're, they're biting off the biggest, you know, mm-hmm. wad of VR to chew of anybody. Yeah, and they know they are. They're realistic about it. 
yeah, they're realistic about the fact that the thing that they're trying to do is so high end that they're setting the bar so high that it's probably not going to be done this year. You know, it's, they're releasing it this year, but it's not going to, it's not going to go mainstream or anything. So I, I mean, I think it's a defensive mechanism on his part or defense mechanism on his part to just sort of downplay mm-hmm. all these other lesser technologies like cardboard and the Samsung VR and the new LG, the LG has got, uh, I think right. it's LG. They've got these goggles, their glasses basically, and you tether them to your phone. So oh, interesting. yeah, so the phone's not on your face. That's kind of better. It's better uh, in certainly better in the sense that they're easier to carry around. And when they're on your face, you could like be drinking a coffee or, you know, you could be, your face isn't sort of <laughs> taken up. Your face isn't right. busy. Um, and they look a lot less dorky. You know, if you're going to be using, there was a, there was a promo video of somebody on a subway sitting you know, Yeah. With, well, no, yeah. with like, uh, with like uh, the Oculus Rift on her head. Oh. <laughs> and like the dude next to her is just openly staring at her because <laughs> she can't see him. She doesn't know or care. <laughs> yeah. She's not even there as far as she's concerned. Right. I mean, the subway is like, in one sense, it's the perfect place to be in virtual reality because the subway is like the worst place to be. Anyway. Yeah, it's crowded. It stinks. It's, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like a commute, but you don't have to pay attention to driving. So, so, so I, you know, it, there's certainly the, the market's going to be flooded with options for VR this year. And uh, by all indications, mm-hmm. Google is going to, you know, Google IO is coming up in May and they are going, it, it's almost, I would say it's a, a certainty that it's going to be all about VR. So the point of talking about all that is, is that on the one hand, you've got, you're creating a, a virtual space that people that it's truly immersive for the first time where people can feel like they're in it. So they're, they're sort of transporting their body, their physical body into a virtual space in an extremely convincing way, a way that convinces your lizard brain that you're actually there and duck, here comes a dinosaur. Yeah, it really does. It convinces you good enough that you jump off a tall tower and it feels like you're falling. Hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, okay. So that's sort of one trend that's happening. And then the the flip side of the trend, I think, is to um, animate inanimate objects remotely with uh, via connectivity. So mm-hmm. you that's how you end up with drones and robots, where you're like, like right now, typically, you know, if I'm playing a let's say I'm playing a a, a game where oh, I don't know, like. Um, I'm, you know, I'm, Cooper and I are playing. It's the new game. It's Splatoon. We've got Splatoon finally, which is okay. super fun. But it's kind of like a, it's kind of like a goofy first-person shooter game, where yeah. you're running around. And you're trying to paint. Uh, your team is against another yeah, it's team. Like paintball, paintball FPS. Yes, but you're not you're not actually shooting the other people. You're just trying to paint the map so that at the end, okay. whoever's got the the majority of the map painted wins. So okay, yeah, area control paintball. <laughs> yeah, right. So I can imagine not not a, not a version of that game, but I can imagine a scenario where we're controlling like Rock'em Sock'em robots, but it's happening, right? Like it's not it's not like we're just inhabiting this virtual space and we are <laughs> you know boxing. We're actually inhabiting Talk about fantasy football. 
Right. Yeah, exactly. And you could almost imagine like, you could almost imagine like a boxing ring with physical people paying to watch the world's two best gamers who are not even there, who are like ones in Japan and ones in Canada, duke it out. 10,000 people sitting there and watching two robots beat each other up, controlled by people who are on the other side of the world. Yeah, that'd be that'd be cool. This is this is like reminding me of like BattleBots that I was we talked about at one point. Yeah, yeah. Except you know the competitors don't actually have to be at the arena. <laughs> right. The robots do. Right. But the people can be anywhere. Yes. So you know me, I fly around the world to give presentations to people. Man, it'd be sweet if I could send my avatar Atlas <laughs> <laughs> to get on a plane, or I could just inhabit one at the office. Like talk about telepresence. Right. Well, I mean, right now you could get your telepresence iPad on a Segway, but it's not the same. It's yeah, it's not. It's it's uh, it's close, and that's that counts. Like, yes, I don't necessarily need a humanoid robot to do telepresence, but uh, it's the the thing that's seems to be happening is that a, a physical robot, like a humanoid robot or like a dog robot, can get around in the real world. So you look at the, you look at these videos from like Boston dynamics, you know, which is now owned by alphabet, which used to be Google. They've just put out some, just released some new videos. Yeah. And they're like equally terrifying. Like the, the namesake of this show is a Boston dynamics robot. Spot. (laughs) Spot. Super scary. They have a much scarier one now that instead of a neck and head has just a robot arm sticking out of his shoulders with super strength, like pincher at the end, totally nightmare inducing. Uh, but you, you know, one of the things I asked myself is like, you know, I've seen like these, one of our state reps is, um, uh, he can't walk and he, so he's got this Segway wheelchair and Mm -hmm. it is like, I mean, it's the way to go. If you have to be in a wheelchair, you want this thing. (laughs) It, it stands. Is, is it one of the ones that like raises to a standing yeah, position? Yeah. 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 So I've, I've met the guy in person a couple of times and like, he's, you know, you're like talking to him at like eye level. He can basically pick how tall he wants to be probably up to like seven feet tall if he felt like, and I don't know how tall the yeah. thing goes, but he can just like elevator himself up and down and it's got the three wheels set up on both sides so that it's normally just going on one, but it can get to stairs and then the, the entire wheel assembly rotates. So the next wheel goes up the next stair, if you know what I mean. So he can go upstairs in it. Yeah. Yeah. And it, yeah. And it literally is made by the Segway guy. It's a, yeah. Yeah. Dean came in. Right. Yep. Dean came in. Right. So you were like, well, why would, why would they pick, you know, you could make a robot in any shape you want. You could make it like a little tank or something. Why would you, why would you make it like a humanoid or like a dog? And as I was watching the videos, I was like, well, you know, the world is kind of set up for that. So yeah, we've designed our world to fit, work around our form factor so hmm. it only makes sense that robots that that match our our bipedal human form are going to be able to get around well right so it's worthwhile to try and solve the balance thing which is obviously really hard to solve like if you look at the darpa challenge the things could barely walk two feet and they just fall over and they couldn't even get up mm. you know it was just like embarrassed like you're embarrassed for the robot <laughs> It's like, you know, I've fallen and I can't get up. Yeah, I feel, feel bad for the robots, which is a, a strange feeling to have. But when they're getting, when they're falling over and, and getting hit with hockey sticks and things, you kind of 
yeah feel for them yeah you do it's like it's like if somebody was like whacking c-3po with a baseball bat you know it's like when it's like there's some there's like a there's like the, the particular robot that the Boston Dynamics Atlas robot is it it definitely looks like RoboCop or maybe Terminator with his skin burned off, but mm-hmm. it moves like C three PO, so you kind of it doesn't seem that it's scary. relatable. Yeah, you can kind of like the, he's uncool. Like that's the, like so you kind of feel bad for him because he's not cool at all. It's definitely a right. he, by the way. It's not. This like, is definitely a guy robot. No, it's definitely definitely. It's like, dude, you're a robot. You should be cool. You should be way cooler, but uh, anyway, not that cool. And uh, anyway, so the the thing that the trend that that I I feel like it's gonna take it's gonna take ten years for this to become like commonplace, but I feel like there's this trend where you can do things digitally that are are then actuated by something in the physical world, mm-hmm. and so it kind of it creates this hybrid situation where you don't you don't have to be in a particular place to do something that you could only have done if you were there previously if that makes well, sense we already have that to some to some degree like especially with, with some medical procedures for instance there's like oh experiments being done with like remote surgery and things like that and mm-hmm. or even now even if you go like say to get lasik all of it's programmed into a computer and then you sit in the chair and the computer controls all of the equipment that does the stuff yeah, that's true. Like, what differences make of the doctors in the room? Who cares? Right. I mean, I you know, I had LASIK, and there's a lot of preliminary stuff that the doctor definitely needs to be there for because I'm not letting a robot mm-hmm. put, like, litmus strips underneath my eyelids. But right. yet, I guess. Um, but, <laughs> you know, C-3PO is not qualified for that. Right. But, yeah, the actual yet. operation was there was absolutely no human intervention whatsoever. And, frankly, it's probably – I'm sure it's for the best. Like, they're I'm shooting sure lasers into your eye, for crying out loud. It's not like, you know, Han Solo in the – They do all their scanning with their computerized scanning equipment, and, and the doctor decides what program is best based on that. So, you, I mean, you still have the, the human making the decision – and then he gets you all set up in the chair and pushes the button. And that's kind of that. Yeah. And there are, you're right. There are other examples of it that are super minor. Like, um, like I can, I can control my furnace from anywhere with an internet connection because right. I've got the Nest thermostat and I can just log in from anywhere and, and run a, you know, you could kind of call it a robot. Like, is it that much of a stretch just because it can't move around? I mean, I can, I can tell it to do something and then it does it. And, uh, same goes for the lights. Although I, I never, I never really do that, but you could. And I know people that have do the same thing with the garage door openers and stuff. You know, maybe you get a Roomba. Right. Yeah. That's another one. I actually talked to the robot, uh, iRobot guys a while back about what they were going to do with the new version of that. And it was, you know, are we, you know, you can put a camera on it, webcam and scare your dog or, you know, like what are the, what could you do now that you have a robot in someone's house? (laughs) Right. So, so the thing, the thing that I see is like from both directions, the digital is reaching into the physical and the physical is reaching into the digital. The line between atoms and bits is getting blurrier and blurrier and blurrier. In and both directions. In yeah. both directions, right. Like it's come, we're coming at it from both sides. People are working at it from both sides. And I don't see, I don't see why that would stop. I don't see why it would stop either. 
coming at it from both directions, it's two very different approaches, but they, they serve very different needs and desires as well. So mm-hmm. I, I can't see I can't see one being more becoming more beneficial or more popular or, or what have you than the other one. Yeah, I totally agree. It's it's like people who see an immediate use case for the one that they're working on. And then it's sort of like, you know, the railroad meeting in the middle. Eventually yeah. it's just gonna be a continuum of cheap robots and cheap computer interfaces and you know it, it'll be like it, it won't matter it, you won't even th- think about it eventually you'll put on your vr headset and hop into your robot right right like why would you put an exoskeleton on when you can i mean the the, the obvious thing that comes to mind is is military like why yeah. why put a highly skilled like hyper hyper valuable 20-year veteran pilot or 20 year old kid or 20 year old kid. Thank you. But why, why put that person in the plane? They're just going to be running a computer in the, in the plane. That's what they're already doing. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. So why not just remote into the plane? I'm sure this is already a thing. Yeah. But, oh yeah. This is already a thing. But like a, like a serious, like fighter jet, like F 16. I don't know. I don't know if that's a thing. Yeah. No, there, I don't know. I don't know about a serious fighter jet, but there are, um, controlled drones like that. But if you have something like the Atlas or or a more evolved version of that combined with VR technology, you why couldn't you easily do the same with like infantry or, or ground troops? Yeah, seriously. Just scary. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I've been at the iRobot, the, the people that make the Roomba, I've been at their, I, I don't think this is secret, it seems like it's in the lobby kind of. Um, they like a huge thing that they do is create robots for the military to do like, to like look for landmines and IEDs and mm, stuff yeah. like that. So they had a bunch of blown up ones that, you know, with like soldier signatures on them, like, thank you. You probably saved my legs or whatever. So that's, that's definitely a thing. I don't know about fighter jets or like, you know, but you can imagine like a helicopter you could, but like you can already, like I was flying a helicopter around my kitchen the other day. Like <laughs> why not a full size one? Like really how important is it? I mean, basically, when you put when you imagine the the pilot in there, they're getting tons of real haptic feedback, like they're getting actual haptic feedback. Yeah, or maybe even even commercial flight. I mean, military aside, because yeah, there is going to be more, like you said, more feedback needed, sort of there. But even commercial flight these days is pretty much the pilot and co-pilot are basically babysitting computer programs. Yeah. Did you hear that story? Maybe it was a year ago when the, the, the two pilots were checking Facebook and they forgot to land. <laughs> they were on, they <laughs> no, were on their phone. The plane just land without them? No, they, they, over, they, like, they didn't activate the landing procedure or whatever and they just like overshot because oh. they were on their phones. Uh. I, I, I've heard that landing a, landing a commercial jet these days is so, so computer guided, computer controlled that it's almost just a matter of pushing a button. I have heard that, but I will tell you, as someone who flies a lot, that there's a huge variance in the types of landings that you experience. That's true. So and the types of planes, and yeah, it's just I, I don't know that there's that much truth to to that. I think for sure when when you're cruising that they don't probably need to do too much. Yeah. So it kind of like being on the highway, like self-driving cars work on the highway now, and right. it seems like that would be. I don't know. It's, I feel like, I mean, I feel like the pilots there in case of an emergency, like a, you know, a, a, a bunch of geese flying to the engines and then you need Sully right. to land you in the 
Hudson River. Yeah. But other than that, which doesn't happen every day. Uh, so, you know, I don't know. But it certainly, it certainly seems to, like, if you think about it, it's almost hard to comprehend. Like, what would it mean to be able, you're kind of transporting yourself into another corpus, if you will. Mm-hmm. So, like, right now you can FaceTime with somebody, but you can't arbitrarily look around. So, like, I could I could be, you know, away on a trip and Erica and I are Skyping or video calling whatever app we're using. But I yeah. am, my eyes are limited to the direction that she is pointing the camera. So, she has to turn it, like, I can't just on my own turn around. I was just going to say, I've, I've caught myself in the past just kind of like trying to turn my head and look around the edge of the inside of the monitor like to see more of the room like wait a minute it doesn't work like that right right but you could imagine that working i mean the the phone has cameras on both sides yeah if it was set up so that the accelerometer on your end was broadcasting your orientation yeah it could you know you could be pointing the camera at your face but you could be turning you know turning standing up and turning around all the way around or like in a in a chair just spinning around in the center and changing the view across those two cameras on the other person's phone to actually look around where they are theoretically i yeah you know i've done enough ios programming to know that there's no way in hell you could do that but um but <laughs> it's there, a solid theory nonetheless it, but it's but i'm right <laughs> it's completely impossible but i'm right and you can do it <laughs> yes as my father says sometimes wrong but never in doubt yeah, um, my dad says I, I may I may not be right, but I'm never wrong. <laughs> like, what does that even mean? Uh, so here's the here's the thing, and we this came up when we were researching. There are a bunch of really interesting looking types of games that are trying to sort of create an augmented reality game board in the real world. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ingress was one. Code Runner. Father I.O., which is a really weird name, kind of intriguing. It's a bit disturbing. Yeah, so it's it's called a real-life multiplayer first-person shooter. and Which actually incorporates a laser tag in that one, I believe. It's wild. So this this is interesting. You know, from a gaming standpoint, if you're just trying to, like, entertain people, then I feel like the bar is a little lower in terms of coming up with a ROI or, like, a use mm-hmm. case. And... So it came up in conversation of the different ways that these different games are set up. And they, some of them kind of remind me of a scavenger hunt with virtual guns or like... Like geocaching with a storyline. Yeah, totally. And one of them, or not one, I guess they all, I don't know. I don't know enough. I haven't played any of them. So just going by how they're described. But at least one of them seems to kind of require that you get a bunch of people together in the same physical area, like in proximity Mm -hmm. of each other at the same time. And to me, that's a non-starter. That's the opposite of where we're going. We're going to a place where you can actually be anywhere, but you can come into a room or an environment. You know, it's the old chat room. Yeah. Like people from all over the world could go into this chat room, except for now the chat room is going to be like a room with a couch <laughs> and like a TV and there'll be <laughs> weirdly, there'll be an Xbox in the room. Right. <laughs> so people could be in a virtual room playing Splatoon playing game. on the Wii U that doesn't even exist. Yeah. <laughs> 
So I think so. If there's a if there's a if there's an undercurrent or if there's an overarching trend, I would say that location independence is absolutely it. And anything that requires yeah. anything that that is location dependent is a non-starter. We already have and location and in, location independence, whether it's us stepping into a virtual world or us controlling a, a physical robot that's somewhere else. Right. It it just like anything new, anything groundbreaking like this, it can't matter where you are. That can't be a factor. If that's a factor, then it's just going to be a novelty. It's not going to it's not going to catch on. Or it could be something that um, mm. it could. I, I suppose you could. Nah, I can't even go there. I'm trying to. I'm trying to. I'm trying to like throw these guys a bone, and and say like, well, okay. Um, if it's if anybody can play, then it would be like being able to take advantage of the things that were you were actually in close physical proximity to would kind of throw an interesting wild card into the dynamics, I guess, but it's not really fair because where you live is almost purely an accident for, for almost everyone where you live is mostly an accident. It's an accident of circumstances. You know, it's like, the odds of the odds of most people, you know, you know how it is. Like most people, they they they're not like they're not digital nomads. I know a couple of them actually, but most people are not. Most people aren't, and most people, like most, I think statistically, most people don't make it very far from where they were born. Yeah, I I've read that as well, and I believe it. It's certainly true for me. I mean, if I look at my high school class, it, it maybe. I'm going to say 75% of my high school class is, you know, cue the John Cougar Mellencamp, uh, small town song. <laughs> they they were born, grew up and will die in Warwick, Rhode Island. Yeah. It's like, I'm, I'm coming up on my 20 year high school reunion this year and pretty much everyone is within an hour of here. You're such a whippersnapper. I always forget. Uh, yeah. I don't know. 20 years and it feels like a long time. I guess it is. I just missed my 30 year. <laughs> uh, anyway, so I, so if there's an overarching trend, I think that it's location independence and the complete eradication of a line between meat space and cyberspace mm-hmm. where like things will be taking, you'll just be jumping back and forth between things happening in one and happening in the other on your side and on the other side. So like, like I will be jumping back and forth in my kit. Like right now in my kitchen, I'm talking to someone in Kentucky. Like how far away is that? A thousand miles? No, like eight or 900 miles. Yeah. Yeah. So why couldn't we be playing chess in a virtual environment in a way? And and like, you can, you can play remote chess or whatever. You can play online chess, but not in a way that tricks your brain into thinking that your two are hanging out. Right. Like, you know, you're not hanging out. In that in that way that like when someone comes over for dinner, right? Or like like I do I do bad movie night like at least once a month or so with mm. a, with a friend of mine in uh, in Cambridge. Mm. Yeah, so nine hundred. You know, if we could if we yeah if we could sit on our virtual couch and watch movies together, that would be on our virtual TV. That would be so much cooler. Mm. Yeah, right. Because it would you'd get yeah. all the visual cues. Yeah, you it would feel like you were hanging out with the person. Right. It would it really would. And so now all of a sudden I'm thinking of uh, the Ernest Klein follow-up to Ready Player One, which of course Ready Player One is like all about, it's like the whole thing, almost the whole thing takes place mm-hmm. in virtual reality. 
the follow-up armada, which I don't want to give away. So how do I describe this? Other than to say that there's a very blurred line between a video game and a real world. Yeah. Uh, it's very similar. Uh, what's the other one? Um, Ender's Game feelish kind of yeah. do it. Yeah. Ender's Game was very much, again, to, to be a huge spoiler to talk too much about this, yeah. but it's it's very blurry between... Yeah, I feel like we could spoil Ender's Game. You feel like we could or we should be allowed to? I feel like we should be allowed to spoil Ender's Game. Yeah, it's pretty old. Yeah. It's so good, though. Yes, it is. Have you read the rest of the books in the series? No, no, I haven't. Oh, some of the best sci-fi I've ever read. Hmm, that's awesome. Very very different than Ender's Game, but the second and third book especially are just excellent. Hmm. Well, I will say that it doesn't seem all that sci-fi. I mean, space travel, yeah, that's... I mean, we're... Yeah, there, the people faster are and light communication and, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so, like, it's just, it's sci-fi, but a lot of... But you could imagine it happening terrestrially, for, for <laughs> sure, in the military, in a big way, but also... Yeah in just recreationally you know like the the chat rooms of old the yahoo chat room or whatever from the 80s or 90 early 90s you could see so many hours spent on irc playing games yeah and and like now we just got at your recommendation we got a wii u and um you know side story mario what's it called mario maker it mm-hmm. is super fun. Like, and this is coming from someone who played Super Mario Brothers instead of going to college. Like, I was supposed to be going to classes <laughs> and instead would play Super Mario Brothers endlessly. And to 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 remember that, like, to I know exactly what it's like because there were all these cheats. Like, if you could, you know, if you could jump just right and land on the turtle right in front of the stair, he would infinitely bounce, and then you get like a hundred lives, and then you could get, you know, it was like yeah. the game did the exact same thing every time. The only thing that changed was what you did, and to 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 have that sort of call it breaking the fourth wall in a way. It's like you know to have the a player be able to be like, yeah, I'm gonna make my own. Like now all that's out the window and you can make your own and then you can share it and other people can play it. It's, it's like, wow, that's uh, a whole new level, but you still have all the game dynamics. So it's the same game, but it's like this infinite. Now all of a sudden it's an infinite series of levels, which is mm-hmm. really cool. And it's, it's super fun to like, anyway, that's a total tangent, but <laughs> I thought you'd like it. <laughs> yeah. But the, the reason I brought it up is because there's the, what's it called Meverse or something there's like a there's like a mm-hmm. like a lot you have this little avatar and it looks like it's not 3d but it's you know 3d in 2d right and when you start the game there's like all these avatars walking around kind of second life-ish but very cartoony and it's actual people and they're like chatting stuff you know it's it they represent people who are also logged into whatever whatever their online system is yeah they're Meverse. they're Meverse, right <laughs> yeah m-i-i-verse and mm-hmm. you can, you, I don't know if you can walk around and chat with the people, but it seems like you can. Yeah, you can, you can, you can go to the lobby, mm-hmm. they call it the lobby and you can walk around and, and chat with people and stuff. And, and then sometimes your, your me's like sometimes this is the, the funny part that other people's me's will just randomly show up in your games. <laughs> like they don't know they're there or anything, but still it's, it's a character that was created by and belongs to someone else. Hmm. And like Kira and I were playing um, Yoshi's Woolly World tonight because I had to buy the yarn amiibo because it's adorable. So good. 
yeah, just like on 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 the main world selection map, just like other people's me's just randomly appear. Mm. So games like this stuff, this like virtual space stuff has been happening in gaming for years. So like like the uh, it's called a lobby. Like you go in mm-hmm. and you're waiting to play Splatoon or um, uh, what's the zombie Plants vs Zombies? Plants vs Zombies. Yeah, Garden Warfare. Garden Warfare. Yeah, you you when you're going to play a multiplayer game, you like you finish and then okay, and then you wait, and these people all sort of pop in, but they're not they're not popping in. It's just their name and their rank and their you know their their avatar or whatever. And then when you get in the game, there's no, it's it's nowhere near fooling your brain in a way that you're there with them. Like you're right. all playing. You don't feel like a giant sunflower. Correct. I mean, I, I normally do feel like a giant sunflower. Well, that doesn't surprise me. I'm just so upbeat. Yeah. That went nowhere. Anyway, uh, but you don't feel like they're around you because you're sitting on your couch and you're staring at the TV and it's just in, abundantly obvious to your brain that you're not in the map. But yeah. if you stick that thing on your face and <laughs> in the lobby, you're sitting around with like a bunch of dudes and, and it's mostly dudes, let's be honest, in, in Garden oh, Warfare. Yeah, it is, it is. And you're sitting there and they all pop in and they're in their little avatar thing and their, their little outfit, if you will. And you're kind of like in a troop transport or something. Right. And, you know, like going down, you can sort of see what, what everybody's gear has. And you could be like, oh, a bunch of people have um, the same weapon. I'm going to go and I'm going to pull out a different weapon so that we've got a better representation yeah. you could like you could really like think about it and feel like you're with them and then it's like oh look the potato just walked in it's a cactus so like this is already happening if you take that and put it on your face well geez now that i'm thinking about it there was a movie called i think it was called gamer and it was kind of like running man except the convicts weren't in control of their actions they were merely the avatar of someone who was actually playing from the comfort of their hotel suite. So, mm. so you would like, so if you imagine it's, it was, they were humans, but they had some sort of brain implant that would allow them to be controlled remotely, but not unlike a sunflower and plants versus zombies, they had their inherent skills. Like, um, you know, like one guy's really strong and another guy's really fast. And another guy has a bigger machine gun than the rest of them. And, uh, or whatever, like all these different traits. And so you, you these external play, players would inhabit the, I don't know what to call them. I get, they're like avatars, but they're the they're, ones yeah. in the arena, if you will. And it was just like running man. The idea was to like, you know, beat everybody in last man standing wins. And the last man standing was then released from jail. It was exactly like running man, except yeah. for they weren't hunger games. <laughs> right. Except for they were not under their own control. Right. And, uh, it was, I wish I could remember the name of the game because I think the movie was called Gamer, but then inside the movie, the game had a different name. I may have to watch it. Yeah, it was, it was good. It was some, there were, I, <laughs> fair warning though, it's definitely got some super racy scenes because you can inhabit any kind of person. So like, mm-hmm. like there, it wasn't just convicts. The convicts were the ones that played the arena games. But you, but people could like rent themselves out to be like, oh, wow. yeah. So if I was like down on my luck and I was like a smoking hot 20 year old person and 
I could rent myself out and like some slob could like take me to the comic cl- book guy could yeah. yeah take me to a club and go clubbing and experience all of that that whole thing yeah. and and so you'd kind of get paid to go to the club and you'd kind of you wouldn't really be controlling yourself but you'd ha- be having all the experiences but right. then and somebody have the be, awareness of it oh yeah yeah you're totally aware yeah. of it but but you're but there was also another person jacked into your senses so it was right. kind of like my eyes are connected to their eyes and my all of my nerves are connected to their nerves so we're both experiencing it at the same time which is kind of like the end game of what I <laughs> I mean, technologically, I, I I can't imagine a world where that's feasible. I think it's much more feasible that we would all just inhabit a virtual world and we could put on whatever avatar we wanted. Right. I can't imagine a world where that's legal. <laughs> yeah. I, it just, I just don't see the technology going there for economic reasons. It doesn't make sense. Um, if it did make sense, I could see it going there and it being a big, you know, potentially illegal, all sorts. You can imagine like all sorts of major problems. Um, but anyway, uh, that's kind of like the logical conclusion of it. There was some version of that. So uh, there you have it. <laughs> <laughs> we made it. We made it. We made it. So that's the gadget episode for this week. Could you Inha- tell? <laughs> inhabit your flesh bot from afar. <laughs> yeah, I actually watched Gamer on a plane. So I was sitting right next to two people and... Out of nowhere, a booby scene came on. And I was like, what? I was not <laughs> on exp- a plane? Yeah. I was like slamming my laptop shut. <laughs> oh, it wasn't like a movie being shown on the plane. No, 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 no. no. Okay. I, I had rented it or whatever. I had okay. it on my laptop. And I remember it was my laptop because I remember slamming it shut. <laughs> At least it wasn't Jessica Simpson. Oh, that was the worst. <laughs> that was the pervious thing I've ever appeared to have done <laughs> yeah it's the story if you're curious if you want to hear that story dear listener go to itunes and ask <laughs> just give five stars and say i want to hear the pervy jessica simpson story and we will tell you yeah and i, ha- I have a related one of my own so. yeah what was yours this swimsuit issue yeah Leave, leave a review and ask, and then we might tell that story in, yes. a, in our next After Dark. In our next TRD After Dark. <laughs> Let's stick a fork in it. That's our show for this week. I'm Jonathan Stark. I'm Kelly Shaver. And we hope you join us again next week for Terrifying Robot Dog. Bye. Bye. Would you like to support Terrifying Robot Dog? If so, just think of two friends who would dig the show and send them to terrifyingrobotdog.com for links to iTunes, Facebook, and RSS feeds. If you don't have two friends, you can still help us out by leaving a nice review on iTunes. Thanks. Maybe you could buy some robot friends. Yeah. <laughs> or inhabit some fleshy meat body friends. <laughs> the auto blow too. No. I, th- I think that's something <laughs> the for... The auto blow too. To, yeah, I think it's for a runny nose. <laughs> <laughs>